From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Romano talks to us about the increased demand and the importance of the high school strength conditioning coach, how developing a robust middle school program sets the ultimate foundation for the high school performance coach, and he addresses some common misconceptions of the high school strength coach. All this in another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, Use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I have yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Chris Romano. He's currently the head strength conditioning coach at Walton High School in Marietta, Georgia. And he's also had stops with the Gwinnett Stripers, Kennesaw State, U.S. Baseball Academy, just to name a few. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And could you tell uh, our listeners a little bit more about your role at Walton High School? Sure. Um, so I run the strength and conditioning program um, in our sports science program for nine varsity sports. Um, primarily, I'm working with baseball, fast pitch, football, cheerleading, boys and girls, basketball, boys and girls, lacrosse. Um, and then, I'm, you know, I'm getting I'm getting some of the other athletes from the individual sports um, through those teams. So I've, if I had to take a, a, an educated guess, I probably got, you know, a little over 200 athletes on a weekly basis that, that come through the weight room. Awesome. And could you let us know a little bit more about how you go about training the high school athlete? Cause you have the collegiate background and you've worked with, you know, some very high level athletes throughout your career. What are you focusing in on with the modern high school athlete that you're seeing coming through your doors? Um, so it's, it's going to vary per sport, I guess. Um, a couple of our sports have middle school programs that are tied to our program. So for example, um, you know, middle school football, they, you know, we started a, a program last year and got cut short because of COVID. Um, but we got a few good weeks in with it where they came over, um, after all of our teams were out of the weight room, they came over and me and the head football coach, um, basically did like a, you know, a two, a two a day week camp, um, strength camp for the kids and taught them how to do the lifts this way when they get to their freshman year um they can come in and they've already been exposed to our program and they can hit the ground running yeah running with it um i kind of feel like where our basketball program is with the middle schools um we're probably close to being able to do a similar type program with that um at this point i think it's going to come down to availability in the weight room um you know because we've got kids in there from you know, probably 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., you know, through school. And then, you know, generally me and my interns are out of there about 7 p.m. at night. Um, you know, so we've just got to figure out how to get them get them in as well. Um, but, you know, most of the sports, um, you know, when they come in, in in ninth grade, you know, this year I've been able to separate it. I had some really good interns 
working with me and, you know, had them teach the movements to the ninth graders. And I worked with the varsity kids and then we'd flip, you know, the next session. Um, and I'd work with the ninth graders and they'd work with the varsity kids. Um, you know, so we, from the get go, we're teaching form and I'm really big on explaining the why behind it. You know, we Walton for, for people that don't know, it's a very academic school. Um, it's good at great athletes as well. Um, but it's a very high academic school. So like the kids get physics first, first semester, freshman year. Um, you know, so I take, I take the science that I know that they're getting in the classroom and use that to show them what we're doing in the weight room and why I'm asking them to do certain things. And, you know, basically applying what they're learning in the classroom to what we're doing in the weight room, um, you know, to create a little bit more buy-in with it. No, definitely. And do you see a bigger success with the, the teams and the, you know, the big buy-in with the middle school programs that, you know, you can get in there and influence like a, a culture and, you know, you know, football already has middle schoolers coming in, I guess, like indoctrinated in how you guys operate or is it kind of the other way around? You know, it's, I guess it's both. Um, I mean, you know, with, with football, having the middle schoolers already kind of experienced and indoctrinated into the program, it makes it easier. Um, you know, the way, the way we have it set up, um, you know, when, when the kids are in school, obviously this year, I'm going to kind of ignore the COVID year. Um, but generally speaking, you know, we've got a ninth grade football weight training class that they come in every day. You know, that might be first period. And then second period is our offense. Uh, third period is defense. You know, fourth period would be baseball. Fifth period would be basketball. And then sixth and seventh would be general pop. And I don't, I don't work with the general pop classes. Um, you know, but so the freshman football has, has their own class. So traditionally that's been kind of, you know, over the summer when they're at summer lifts and then that would be kind of where we bring them up in the program and teach them how to do the lifts and stuff. But having them start now earlier in middle school, we can hit the ground running in the summer workouts and then keep it rolling through the season when, you know, when they're in the class, um, you know, where the other sports, you know, like baseball that has a class, basketball that has a class and then other sports that don't have a class, we've got to kind of separate the room into two groups and, you know, okay, here's, here's the kids that don't have any training experience. Here's the kids that have already been in the program for a couple of years, um, you know, and have two separate workouts going on for them. And then, you know, if it's a sport like baseball where I'm going to have pitchers do a little bit different, you know, now, now we've got three workouts going on in the weight room and you know, we're fortunate that we have a big weight room, um, you know, and I've, I've been fortunate to have, interns that can help out with it and you know fairly knowledgeable sport coaches that also help out with it as well so we've been we've been pretty fortunate with that and how do you manage or you know program for that imagine that's the between the nine varsity sports has a couple hundred athletes easily how do you go about managing and making sure each sport and each kid i guess gets you know and luckily i know you mentioned you had some really uh, quality interns and, and the sports codes buy, buying into that. So how do you manage all that? Um, yeah, I've, I've got a really big whiteboard that I keep everything separated on. Um, cause I'm not there for all the sessions you know, um, especially this year, like I had one of my interns came down from Harvard strength and conditioning. Cause you know, the Ivy shut down. I had another one that was, um, a strength coach at a, at a, a D3 school or a D2 college and they were shut down. So they both had experience, you know, and they were called interns, but they were more like assistants, um, you know, so I'd have the programming up for the week for them. And, um, you know, if it was one of their sessions, they could just come in and, and, and get it done. Um, when we had multiple of us in there and when I was in there, we would break the groups up, you know, so we were actually, we were, we've got, we've got a, a 3,500 square foot weight room and we've got a turf side, we've got, and we've got 12, 12 racks and platforms. And so what we were able to do just because of their ability level, I could bring two teams in like two smaller teams in at the same time. So for example, cheer and fast pitch would be scheduled at the same time on, on, um, was that Tuesdays? Right. So, you know, Jen could take the, the fast pitch over on the turf, get them started with their plyometrics and stuff. And then me and Angela could have the cheer team in, in the squat racks. Um, you know, so managing it like that was pretty good. I try to, if I'm going to pair teams up like that, I try to have, you know, in sport or in season sports paired with in season sports and, you know, out of season paired with out of season. 
um, just for a programming standpoint, because it's going to be a lot easier if say everybody's doing, you know, squats on the same day, you know, this way we're not really, you know, the, the core, the core list is going to be the same, um, just a you know, different rep scheme. So it's just less, less work on the coaches, um, makes it easier. Cause then when we switch sides, you know, you're, you're coaching the same thing. You're not, you're not having to change gears. Um, you know, so breaking it up like that was really good. You know, those two girls are now back at their schools um, for spring. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit different, The you know, this semester going forward. Um, and I'm one of the baseball coaches, too. So that's going to also limit limit the availability um, in the weight room. Mm, definitely. And, you know, how do you go about instructing or you know explaining you said you're at a very academic school but especially working with with the the baseball athlete because i know baseball and i I work with our baseball team as well and you know baseball players are they're very superstitious you know and they got their their quirks about being you know about them that's a little different than any other sport i've dealt with but you know how do you go about explaining to them it's okay to be strong you know we can hit flexibility all the all the the normal i guess uh, rumors or just the misconceptions about strength training with, with the baseball athlete? Um, you know, a lot of it, I've, I've got to kind of judge based on athletes personality. Um, you know, we're, we're Olympic based. Um, our, my baseball players clean, they catch, uh, you know, and that's something that I, that I talked about with our, our baseball coach um, early on. And I, I went to Walton as, as a student way back in the day. Um, you know, and so some of the coaches already knew me and, and, and trusted me and stuff, um, you know, but I explained the benefits to him. And so, you know, he, he, he bought on, bought on with it and, um, you know, I'll just explain it to the kids and say, look, you know, do you want to be powerful? Do you want to be strong? And of course they're going to say yes. And I say, okay, well, you know, we could do all these exercises to, to create, you know, power output, or we can do this one exercise and take a lot less time and get a similar result out of it. Um, you know, and so I'll address it that way. And then generally you're going to get the question, well, you know, some, you know, I heard someone say that, you know, cleans were dangerous. So well, they are, if, if they're not taught properly, you know, and I come from an Olympic background. Um, you know, I, I competed in two, two world championships and, and three Pan Ams, um, but as a master lifter and through that background, I've got some really good, you know, clean progression that I've developed, um, working with some team USA coaches and then just based on my own experience. And so, you know, I'll run them through that. And the first thing that I teach is, is the catch. And so we've got the, um, we've got Sornix racks and they've got the safety straps. And so I'll use those safety straps as an Olympic weightlifter or an Olympic weightlifting coach would use, would use the jerk boxes. And so we'll set, we'll set the, set those straps up where the bars at a height that the athlete can be on their tiptoes and at the top of the shrug, but the bar is still sitting in the straps. And then I'll have them go under it to the full catch position and teach them the proper arm position, you know, get the elbows up where the bar needs to sit. And then I'll tell them, okay, stand up with it, you know, without using your hands. And so they're learning the most dangerous part of the lift first, obviously without weight, and it just builds confidence because now they know the body position they need to get in before they do anything else, you know, and then we'll go on to the easier portions of it, like the pull, the, you know, the pulls and stuff. Nice. And did you, I, I know you mentioned you're an alum of Walton and, you know, it helped knowing the coaches. What about the rest of the teams? You know, what, you know, when I know a lot of younger coaches, you know, you got to explain, you might think you have the best program, but if you don't have the head coach buy into what you're doing, you're fighting, a, you're fighting two fronts between the athletes and the coach. So how was that conversation with the other sport head coaches at your school and, and you know, s- developing your program? So, I mean, I guess my situation was kind of unique at Walton. Um, so I owned, I owned a strength and conditioning gym. And, you know, I reached out several years ago to the head football coach to see, you know, if I could just do anything, you know, volunteer at my old school. And, you know, he, he said, all right, you know, sure. Come in, you know, we can talk. And just with my, with my lifting background, he wanted me to come in and work with their Olympic lifts. And so I was volunteering 
every Wednesday I'd come in and work with the football team on their cleans. And the way our schedule is set up, we have what's called a web Wednesday. So school's out at like 1230 on Wednesdays. Each class is, I think it's like 35 or 37 minutes long. Um, so that was the only thing that we did on Wednesdays was, was work on the cleans and um, go through the progressions and stuff. And then the basketball class, the basketball team had the class right after the defense. And so the basketball coach saw what was going on and asked me to work with, with his athletes as well. And so it just kind of snowballed and and they started realizing, okay, you know, this guy knows more than just the Olympic lifts, you know, let's see if he can come in more often. And so I started rescheduling stuff at the gym. So I'd be able to be at Walton more. Um, and then eventually it just, you know, it became, I had to make a decision, you know, what did I want to do? Did I want to own a business where it was more running and managing a business than coaching? you know, and managing a staff, or do I want to go over here where I can actually coach teams and be back in the, in a team environment. And that's what I wanted to do. So I got rid of the gym and, um, you know, came over to Walton, you know, to be there all day. And, um, you know, I never really approached most of the coaches, you know, other than starting out with football and then, um, you know, just talking to coach Amos after the basketball, um, class when, you know, before his baseball kids came in, and the rest of the coaches have come to me, um, you know, like there's one sport that we have, like, like volleyball. I haven't had a conversation with their coach, but I think we, other than this year, we lost in the finals. I think we won like six state championships in a row, you know? So that's kind of something that is my attitude is, well, sure. I can help them, but I'm not going to approach them because what if, you know, what if I mess that up? Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be the, the reason that they don't win state seven years in a row. Um, you know, so I've left it up to the coaches. If they want to, if they want to utilize what I can do, then they'll come to me as opposed to me going out and trying to sell them on, on the idea of, of, of a program. Nice. Now that's, I think that that's some, you know, great advice. And you definitely just, you know, built it team after team and, and eventually I bought it. And I think that's important to learn. Well, now you, the other, I was going to say the other key part to it is, you know, like you were asking about for, you know, young strength and conditioning coaches is, you know, I just, I keep, I have to always remind myself, like, I'm really, my role is, is their assistant coach, you know, whatever sports in the weight room, it doesn't really matter what I think the kids need or what I want the kids to do. It's what does their head coach need from them on the field? You know, and then it's my job to get them, you know, to have that training adaptation. No, I think that that's great. And you've had some experience with, you know, the minor league baseball team and also at, you know, Kennesaw state and you've seen collegiate and, and the minor league baseball and even being your own business owner. What's one misconception that you see a lot going out there about the high school strength coach? Cause I've been lucky enough to talk to a few high school strength coaches and it's, is, I don't know how you guys do it. Like you guys have a lot more on your plate than even some of the colleges I've seen and, and taught to. And then also, you know, I hear a lot of older coaches say that the high school is where the next big, you know, strength conditioning boom is once they, you know, more high schools re- realize that the importance of having a strength conditioning coach, a full-time strength conditioning coach on, on staff, what would you say is like one big misconception that you see that having started at the collegiate level and then gone back to work at your alma mater or that you've seen just in general that you about, I guess, our industry or our professions, misconceptions about it? I think the overall, the biggest misconception of it is that a PE teacher can do it. Um, you know, and I guess that's not our industry. That's, that's people looking in, um, you know, because like, I mean, I've been, I've been passed over for jobs at other schools that they hired a PE teacher that had no background in strength and conditioning. And in the interviews, it came down to, well, I mean, the principal and, you know, whoever in, in there, the AD, they didn't even know what the CSCS or the NS, NSCA is, you know, but they know what the PE teaching credential is. You know, so I, I think that's the biggest, biggest misconception. And, and I, from talking to young coaches that are in undergrad programs or, you know, that apply for the internships and stuff, they think it's just going to be easy that, you know, it's, it's a high school teaching position that they're going to be able to roll right into it. And it's, it's not that easy. I mean, I've, I've been, I mean, I'm there full time, but I'm not a full time employee. Um, 
you know, and I've been trying to break into that and it's, it's very difficult because the, the schools that don't get it, they look at it as, well, I've already got PE teachers. What do I need? What do I need this guy for when my PE teachers can handle it? And I mean, honestly, like I took, I took the teaching certification for PE in Georgia and there wasn't one question on that exam that has anything to do with the weight room. You know, so I, I think that's the biggest misconception from younger coaches is thinking that it's going to be easy to get into the high school sector when it's, I mean, I, th- I think it's probably harder to get into the high schools than it is to get into a college job. Yeah, that, that definitely, that that's very interesting. And, I, and I've seen a, a lot of, a lot of, you know, collegiate coaches now, you know, going to high schools and, and starting up that position. And I also hear that as well. You know, that's one of those things where we've been working on, I mean, our profession is relatively young compared to other professions, but, you know, just explaining our value and how we go about, you know, quantifying what we do, even at the collegiate realm, but definitely having to do that at at the high school realm. Uh, How, how's that gone for you at at Walton? I know like you're like, you're there full time and, and you're working, you know, and you're getting buy-in from everything. Is it, has it been an easy transition dealing with the athletic director and like your principal and kind of like establishing that? Cause it, yeah. And I, the reason why I ask is cause it's, it's legitimate. I think, you know, we need more high school strength and conditioning coaches, but I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Like how we navigate that. It's tough. I mean, I'm still there. I've been there. I started January of 2018 at Walton and I'm still there as a volunteer. Um, you know, and I mean, we've, we've had ideas on how to get me in as, as an actual employee and, you know, we haven't made any progress with that. And I I think, again, it's, it comes down to, you know, the philosophy of it's a PE position, you know, and PE positions, at least in Georgia, generally go to the head sport coaches. And so they're not going to, you know, they don't, they don't want to use a PE position for a strength and conditioning coach when they see it as, you know, a PE teacher can do it because that's the way it's always been done as opposed to looking at it as, Hey, this is, you know, this is a, a, you know, a liability issue. You know, this is a, a, you know, a a way that we can actually, you know, apply what kids are learning in in the science class to actual real life. You know, so I I think of it as more of a science position than a PE position. Um, You know, but I, I think over time, as you get athletic directors that have been strength coaches or have been at the college level and stuff like that, as they get more into the high school sector, I think that's going to help, you know, but it's going to be a slow process. Um, You know, I mean, in Georgia, even, we don't even have athletic trainers at every school, you know, and, and and I think having a, a, you know, an AT is a lot more important than having a, a strength and conditioning coach as much as I love strength and conditioning, you know, having a medical professional there is pretty important. Um, you know, and so if, if they're, if all the schools aren't even buying into that yet, then I think we have a long way to go, um, as an art profession to try to get that kind of exposure. Definitely. Definitely. And what is the culture that you look to establish with your athletes in the weight room? Like if I were, you know, once COVID ends and if I can get to, you know, travel around freely without any, you know, worry about anything you know if i were to go down to walton high school and watch one of your lifts and and walk into your lift what would uh is the culture i'd see with you and your athletes because man i could i could tell you right now i i have athletes coming in from you know california texas florida that have had a really good strength coach at their high schools and when they come in it's it's a noticeable difference between an athlete i've seen that has no strength conditioning or no weight lifting or very small young training age. So what's the the culture you try to establish with your athletes? Yeah, I, I try to establish right off the bat, you know, the technique first, you know um, I mean, I honestly, and I, I tell the kids this all the time, like, you know, I love seeing them get excited over numbers, but honestly, I don't care how much weight you've got on the bar. I don't care how much, you know, how much weight you're doing, as long as you're doing it properly and you're making progress um, you're going to get better at your sport. You know, you're at least you're going to be in a better position to get better at your sport. Um, you know, and I, and I think, I think that really relates to them because it's not me saying, Hey, 
you know, put more weight on that bar to get this number. It's, Hey, you know, that looks really good. You're maintaining good form. We can, we can keep going up, you know, and they realize that I care about their health and their safety from that aspect. Um, and that helps generate some buy-in too, you know, as far as culture in the weight room and, and like what you'd see, it's every sport's going to be different with us. Um, you know, it's one of my interns actually made, made the observation a few weeks ago that each lifting session, the, the team that's in there kind of takes the personality of their head coach, you know? And what I say about that is like, you know, we've got a, a, a sport that, you know, the head coach is hard work, hard working, you know, down to business, come in, do your thing. And then, and then, you know, leave. And that's what the team does. We have a, a, a head coach that loves to, you know, show how much he can lift and, and, you know, wants the kids to know how much he can lift and he'll come in and, and, you know, throw weights around with them and stuff. And that's kind of the attitude and personality that, that the team has taken. And, you know, so for like that team, there's a lot of times I've got to back them down. Um, you know, I'll, you know, for example, one of the kids had, he had 225 on the bench and I know he, I know he can't lift that for three. And we were doing, we we're doing, um, everything was percentage based. And, and, and so I said, Hey, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, with that weight? And he goes, Oh, I just want to try it. You know, and, and that, and that's that, that's the personality of, of, of the head coach. And I said, okay, that's fine. You could try it. But let me just tell you, if you don't get it three times, we're not benching for another month. And he goes, Nope, stands up and takes the weight off of it. Nice, nice. You know, um, and it, it's fun because I enjoy it when their coach comes in and lifts with them because it, it, it just, they get excited. The kids love it. You know, they like seeing him do the stuff with them and, and challenging them and pushing them. And I'd much rather have the kid that is, you know, over eager to do stuff than the kid that really just doesn't want to be in the weight room and rather, you know, be home playing video games or something. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slat belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. No, definitely. And it's, it's always good that you have a good pulse on all your teams and, you know, you could adjust, you can maintain your technique and maintain your priorities, but it adjusts differently according to each team. Now you had mentioned that even though you have nine sports, a lot of the athletes are dual sports or multi-sport athletes. How do you go and program for the multi-sport athlete knowing you know, you know, especially at the high school level, they could be year round, you know, have a, a, a fall, winter and spring, you know, competitive season. So how do you, do you program differently for them versus the, the athlete that's just in one season? I do, um, you know, I'll, I'll factor in a lot of, a lot of things, you know, such as what position are they, you know, in both sports, you know, for example, you know, we've got a kid that plays football and baseball. Well, in baseball, he's a pitcher, you know, so in football, when, you know, they've got maybe, you know, some heavy, heavy shoulder work. And I know, cause you know, all of our, all of our baseball players play travel ball here in Georgia as well. Um, you know, so he's pitching pretty much year round, even during baseball or during football season. 
you know, so I'll give him his own stuff to do like shoulder work, you know, band work and stuff like that when everybody else is doing the, you know, the heavier overhead stuff, for example. Um, you know, so I'll factor in, I'll factor in the demands of both of their sports and generally I'll err on the, on the caution side, you know, especially for the in-season sport. Um, you know, so like in the off season, when, when there are an off season for both sports, you know, that's the time that we can really get after it. And then I'm going to monitor the training loads and stuff, um, in sport. And a lot of our athletes use the whoop bands, um, you know, so I can, I can actually get some, some data on, on how stressed and how fatigued they are. Nice. Let's talk about the whoop bands. And you said you also had sports science. Is there any other implementations that you use? I'm working on it. You know, at the high school level, you know, without actually being an employee, it, it, you know, and having a budget, it, it, it's tough. Um, you know, I've, I've got some stuff like I've got a push band um, that I'll bring in sometimes like our, our, our kicker over the, over the off season, I had him doing some VBT stuff and, you know, I mean, he credits, he credits that with, with some of his, you know, his success that he had this year. I mean, on kickoffs, you know, as a high schooler, he's putting the ball through the, through the, the field goal on kickoffs. Um, you know, a lot of it was that explosive ABT training that we were doing in the off season. Um, you know, I, I wish we had a whole set of that at school, but you know, those are expensive and it's a high school, you know, so there are budget constraints, um, you know, but the Woot band like that, especially returning to play from COVID when I had a bunch of the athletes on it, you know, it, it put my mind at ease a little bit more about how we were bringing them back. You know, we were following the NSCA guidelines on it, um, you know, but actually seeing the data of how stressed the kids were, you know, and how much more we could do or how much less we needed to do to keep them safe. Um, you know, I, I think the whoop band was really valuable for that aspect. Definitely. And how do you go, do you maintain like that constant communication with both coaches? Like, Hey, yeah, you know, baseball coach, you know, it's, we're going in the playoffs and football, like they're going to be tired. So maybe, you know, at the start of the season, taking account that little John, you know, Johnny's going to be a little bit fatigued or is it kind of like, Hey, like they don't get each other. We have a, we have a pretty tight athletic program. I mean, for as big as our school is, I mean, we're seven, a in Georgia, you know, there's, there's a couple thousand kids at the school. Um, you know, our, our, our sport coaches, they, they seem to get along pretty well and they talk to each other. And so, you know, there's, there's constant communication there and I see all the kids and I mean, the kid, the kids will talk to me on the side about, you know, Hey, this is bothering me or this is, you know, you know, this is feeling better. And we have, we have a whole collegiate set up for sports medicine. Um, our whole sports med staff came over from, from Kennesaw state. And so Northside hospital built out, um, you know, it's basically, it, it's probably nicer than most colleges, uh, sports med programs. And so, you know, the kids are, they're monitored by them as well. And so there's a lot of communication, um, that goes on there. And, you know, for example, we had a, the, the kid that I mentioned before that, that plays football and, and, and pitches, he, he broke his leg in a football game, in a JV football game, um, earlier in the season. And I found out about it through the baseball coach, you know, so he already knew about it. Um, you know, and that was, I think the, the day after, um, you know, so we also have most of the sports, they won't let the kid come to their sport if the seasons overlap until the end of that season. So for example, you know, we've got kids that play football and basketball, well, they don't come to the, they're not on the basketball bench until, until football's out of the playoffs, you know, and with baseball and basketball, you know, it works a little bit different just because there's multiple games. Um, you know, so like we had a pitcher last year who's now pitching in college. Um, he played basketball as well. And so when there was no overlap, then he would come and sit on the bench in the dugout, you know, but if there was a basketball game, he was at the basketball game because that was later in their season. Yes, yeah, we have good communication with that. That that I think that's that's great that you have a robust sports medicine department, and then the coaches are able to communicate because, you know, I think the one thing that people would I would tend to pay attention more to is even with uh, 
uh, the multi-sport athletes just burn out and making sure you can keep track of the kids and, you know, and make sure they're, you know, I guess not showing too many symptoms or, or signs of, you know, maybe they just need a break. But I think that, I think it's important to juggle because, you know, the multi-sport athletes very common in high school because, you know, they're learning and figure things out and they're likely very good at what are both sports that there are multiple sports that they're playing on. Well, another thing, like, I mean, here, you know, it's travel ball. Like, I mean, our basketball players play AAU pretty much all year. Our baseball players are all, you know, doing East Cod baseball and six, four, three and, and stuff like that, which is year round. Um, you know, so just getting to know them, being able to relate to them, um, you know, and having conversations with them, you know, they generally will come to me and, and say, Hey, you know, my elbow is a little bit sore or, you know, Hey, my knee is a little sore, you know, before the workout even starts. And so I'll say, okay, well, you know, when was the last time you threw, how many pitches did you throw, you know, and then we'll back loads down and back volume down based on that. Um, you know, so I think having an understanding of, of the training volume and, and, and stress loads. And I mean, even academically, you know, where they're at, like, you know, a couple of the, a couple of the coaches wanted to, to test, you know, we had finals last week, you know, Hey, are we going to test their one rep maxes this week? Well, no, we're going to test it before because I don't want to do it during finals week because there's a higher risk of injury because they're going to be stressed out and the body's not going to know the difference between a training stress and a, and a mental stress. It's, you know, stress is stress. Um, you know, so like just being able to factor stuff like that. in, I think is important, you know, for high school coaches, because I mean, the kids are there at school for education, number one. You know, and I mean, that's at least the way it should be. I know some of the kids, you know, are there for sports, number one. Um, but, you know, still our responsibility to make sure that they're focusing on their grades and, and, and stuff too and being smart about it. Definitely. So as young strength conditioning coaches navigate their way through our profession, what's one piece of advice that you'd get to that the younger strength coach that maybe is just coming off an internship or that maybe just getting done with a graduate assistantship, you know, that's in the, you know, the grind of what we do, you know, you, you've been there, you, you, you know what it's like to have to grind it out at the collegiate, at the minor league and at the high school level. So what's one piece of advice you would tell the, the younger strength coach trying to find their way? I just always, always realize that you're not done learning. You know, I mean, like, I think we've all been there and done that and made the mistake of, you know, you, you know, I've been doing this for a year. I've got these certifications, you know, I know what I'm doing, you know, and my way is the right way. Um, you know, and then you look back at it, you know, five, six years later and you're like, well, you know, crap, I, I didn't know what I was doing then. I thought I did, but I didn't, you know, so I think always, you know, can continue your continuing education, you know, like if you're CSCS and just because you've, you know, hit your CEUs, like don't stop for that cycle. Like keep, keep going to conferences, keep, you know, talking to coaches that are more experienced and learning from them, you know, keep reading books and stuff. Even if it's a topic that you're familiar on, you know, there's always something that you're going to be able to pick up and, and be able to apply. Definitely. And how important is your network or your networking, you know, in high school? Is, is it as prominent as it is in the college and other levels? Cause I know, we got the new high school, you know, national high school strength conditioning coaches association, all that stuff. Like, is there a network out there that if another coach finds that they are becoming the head strength coach at high school, uh, is there a network out there for other high school strength coaches to kind of draw each other's experiences? I mean, yes and no. Like, I mean, I've, I found, I found a lot of value in the NSCA SIG, the high school strength conditioning one. Uh, you know, and there's some coaches in there um, and a couple of the moderators in there that I talk to on a regular basis. Um, you know, but my network, I, I'm, I talk to the minor league baseball guys and college guys way more than I talk to other high school coaches. Um, you know, and I think part of that could be the situation that I'm in at Walton. Like it's a very, I mean, our weight room, our sports med program, you know, is very college isk. I guess, you know, if that's a word, I guess it's not a word, but um, a lot of our, a lot of our athletes go on and play college ball, you know, all the sports, um, you know, so for me, I get more value out of, out of that kind of networking than I do with the high schools. 
Um, that being said, like there's some high school coaches I talk to on a regular basis. Like we, over the quarantine, um, we did a, a zoom meeting with a bunch of the high school coaches and we ended up starting the, um, Georgia high school strength coaches association. And, you know, once, once school got back in, like I had less time to actually put into it and stuff. So we really haven't done much with it, but you know, I I think the numbers were something like, you know, and it it was like, we started with like 600 followers in like a week period on it on Twitter. Um, You know, with the, the whole idea behind it was to educate sport coaches in schools that don't have strength coaches. You know, so like I was pumping out info on there, like nutrition and sleep and, you know, um, energy, energy systems and, and stuff like that, just to kind of help educate, um, you know, the, the guys that don't have that kind of experience. Um, you know, but then, you know, school started back and teams started coming back and, and you know, time became limited on that. Um, you know, but if something like that could, could start up and, and, and get bigger, you know, I think that would help a lot of coaches in a lot of situations. No, definitely. I think that's good that you're able to, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy that you're able to get so many followers for coaches that don't have strength coaches. I think that'd be a, maybe a sign to administration, like, Hey, let's get these coaches some help. I mean, it's, it's a sign that the interest is there, you know? And I mean, like what I was finding through, you know, the direct messages and stuff that I was getting is, you know, these coaches, you know, it might be the head football coach at one school or the head basketball coach at a school. They, you know, they're in charge of their team's weight training and their strength and conditioning, but they don't know what the NSCA is. They don't know what the NHSSCA is. They don't know what any of these things are, you know, because they're kind of on their own to do what they think they need to do. You know, nobody's reached out to them. Nobody's reached out to the administrations. And I think that's, that's really something that I keep bringing up, you know, and NSCA stuff is, you know, there's got to be a way to reach the school boards and the, and, and the administrators to show them the importance of this, you know, I mean, even from a liability standpoint, right. I mean, look at every, every summer you've got kids that die that could have been prevented, you know, from heat related, you know, issues, you know, if they had qualified, qualified, you know, strength conditioning coach or qualified athletic trainer there, you know, that could have been prevented. And, you know, if there was, if there was some data that was out there available to the school boards saying, Hey, look, here's your liability for not having somebody qualified there. You know, I think something like that would make a big difference, but nobody's doing that. You know, and I don't know if it's, none of us have time to do it or nobody really knows where to find the information to get it out there or how to get it out there. Um, You know, but that's just kind of, that's an idea that I've had that I kind of feel like needs to be done somehow no definitely no i think it's uh i think it's good that you're you know showing the value of of the high school strength coach and you guys have a a few other strength coaches down there that are setting the example and you know hopefully it doesn't have to be something too much of a liability of a standpoint where yeah a tragic accident and then they realize like all right now we have to versus just yeah i mean hopefully it's a preventative thing um you know and, and i just think it's it's educating the right people, right? I mean, if, if your, if your school boards were exposed to the, you know, to the situation and, you know, somebody was there presenting them with it, you know, like if I could get a sit down, you know, say with like the GHSA and, and explain to them, okay, look, you know, yeah, strength and conditioning is about performance, but a bigger side of it is about injury prevention and about setting these kids up for success later on in their life, even outside of sports you know, and, and showing the value of it, I think there'd be a bigger push to get qualified people in there, you know, because it, like we talked about before, it's, it's not something that a PE teacher can do as well as somebody that is actually qualified. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head on that one. Um, if you could pick up the phone and call Chris Romano from five years ago, what would you tell him? I would tell him sell the gym, sell the, sell the gym. And, um, you know, five years ago, I would have, I should have done my master's degree earlier. Um, you know, I, I wish that was something that I did from the get go. Um, but I wasted a lot of time with that. And, you know, that, that's, again, that's something that's saying like, you know, when I went into the master's program, I thought I, you know, I didn't know that I was going to get as much out of it as I did, 
you know, and I learned way more out of that than I had in, you know, eight years of experience. Um, you know, so I would have said, you know, get rid of the gym and, uh, you know, start your master's earlier. Definitely. Now what's next for coach Romano. And I know, you know, you, you got a, a lot of stuff and you're building it up and like your weight room is nice. It is very, very nice weight room. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be for high school I and mean, you're up there with colleges and stuff for how nice everything's going. Uh, so what's next for you and, and your program? Let's say, you know, when we get out of COVID and everything gets going back to normal, it's what's something you're looking forward to. Uh, you know, just being, being able to be around the kids, um, you know, without having to worry about, you know, social distancing and stuff, you know, I mean, I miss the days of, of, you know, having a group around, you know, squat rack, you know, just kind of hanging out while somebody's, you know, while the next kid's finishing up, um, you know, having fun, like the weight room has always been at, at Walton since I've been there, at least it's always been like the center of the culture for the teams, you know, and, and this is something that the football coach and I were talking about um, earlier in the season, you know, with the COVID protocols and stuff, we lost that culture. You know, we lost, we didn't completely lose it, but it wasn't there the way it had been. You know, um, right now, our county, some of the, the kids can opt whether they're going to do in-person, face-to-face school or, or virtual. And so most of the athletes are staying virtual, meaning we're not getting them in the weight room as much as, as they really should be. You know, um, especially the sports like, like, you know, baseball, for example, most of our baseball players are going to be virtual in season. So that means they're not going to be lifting because practice starts at 345. You know, they can't be on campus during the school day because they're virtual. Well, I'm not going to have the kids wake up at 6 a.m. to come in for a lift before school and then practice until seven o'clock. And then, you know, at, at our school, generally, they're going to have three or four hours of homework. You know, so they're not going to get any kind of rest then. You know, so we're just going to have to take care of, you know, what we can strength and conditioning wise, you know, do it during practice, you know, with, you know, just kind of make do with it. Um, you know, so getting back to a normal, a normal program and a normal schedule, um, I guess is probably what I'm looking forward to the most. I think we're all definitely waiting for the, the time where we can get back into our weight rooms and see some kind of version of normal that I think that'd be great. Um, you know, what's the best way our listeners can, see what you got going on there at Walton and, and just kind of see, you know, how, keep tabs on what's to be, what you got going on there and get a hold of you for any follow-up questions. Um, I, I try to post daily on, on Twitter and Instagram on my stories, um, you know, what we're doing at school and, you know, at least highlight if it's not one of the teams in the weight room, at least a couple of the players in the, in the weight room um, and, you know, what they're up to. So Twitter, Twitter and Instagram, my handles are the same it's at coach Chris underscore without an H and Chris. So C O C H C R I S underscore. You know, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. I know I've been keeping an eye on what you've been doing or the, you know, since I started following and everything. And I definitely think it's an important job that you got going on as, is is that high school strength and conditioning coach and, and, you know, establishing that. And I, like I said, I've talking, I've talked to more, and more high school strength coaches and uh, the importance of it as far as how it is for developing athletes, but also, you know, just, it's a job opportunity for, you know, the future of strength condition. Cause like you said, you're even trying to build, you know, that position up and hopefully, you know, we can get to a point where, you know, you're, you know, they're working with the, the school boards and everything and everybody knows the value and continues to grow that because I think it's an important thing for the high school athlete to be able to work on keeping them healthy and safe. And I think that's an important thing. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it shows there's, I mean, just talking to the college coaches that I know, you know, there's such a big difference in the, in the kids that do have a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level when they get to college, because I mean, like when I was at KSU, you know, incoming freshmen, we would treat them, you know, like they didn't have, you know, any kind of background and then test them out. So like the kids that already had the movement patterns and stuff down, you know, they don't have to go through that intro program. You know, they can get right after it. 
And, um, you know, it's always cool when, you know, when we have kids that go to college or, or go into the pros and you, and you hear back from their strength coach, you know, Hey, you know, this, this kid's doing fantastic. Like, you know, he already knew what to do when he got here. You know, that, that kind of feedback shows, shows that what we're doing is, is working and, and is worth it. No, definitely. It, it does make a huge difference because we have our block zero uh, at our school, at our university. And, you know, it's the same thing. Like you get put in block zero, whether it's your, your transfer first year or a freshman, like just you're getting in there and you test out and it's a huge difference from kids and, and athletes that come in with that kind of background. Cause like you said, they just kind of come in and they test out immediately and they can go and, you know, work out with the, the, the big girls and big boys in, in the weight room versus having to, you know, reteach them, which I don't have a problem with that. Like that's part of the job, but it definitely makes things easier for them to transition into the collegiate uh, culture. Well, just learning, learning different movement patterns, you know, at, at a younger age, like at ninth grade or eighth grade is a whole lot easier than, you know, your freshman year in college trying to learn how to, you know, squat properly, for example. No, yeah, I, I agree. And then, and it, it's a noticeable difference. So you know, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you and, and all your hard work. And, you know, thanks for joining us today. And, you know, definitely we'll, we'll be reaching out here again soon and, and find out, you know, what's going on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.